Welcome to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Hi. Hi. Oh, you knew we were on right away. You must have <laughs> saw the little, the little light come on. I think you just watch the light and wait for it to come on. <laughs> I do. I just stare at it and then I get more and more nervous as I stare and wait for it. Like, yeah. did I miss it? Is it on and I can't see it? Is she going to yell at me? What's happening? <laughs> no, I don't know why you always tell people that you think I'm going to yell at you. I, but I, I think people already have a, a very bad notion of me as it is. <laughs> Stop telling people I yell at you. It's always what I do. Love it. So super excited today. We are back to our, uh, well, I was going to actually give a spoiler of the project. Don't give the spoiler. Cause that's why when I was listening to these back to back, I was like, oh no, the name doesn't come up until the next right. one. So okay. can't spoil it. That so, was, that's in the next one. <laughs> we're continuing our live coaching series. Yes. And today you guys are going to get to listen to the second live check-in that we did. This was at the end of January, um, 2021, week seven of her coaching. So, you know, to give no more spoilers, I'll say it was a pretty cool check-in. There was a lot of real life bananas shit that I think everybody would be like, oh, huh, I get that. Mm, yeah. I mean, I was, oh, huh, I get that. So, um, right. yeah, I think it's, I think it's really great. So without further ado... Have a listen, and we'll be back to talk about it afterwards. There we go. Hi. Well, hello. <laughs> so welcome back. I am still Brandy, and you are? I'm, I'm still Tiffany. So when Tina heard the first recording we did, and you said you were Gloria Vanderbilt, she got a really good laugh out of that. <laughs> good, because that's like one of my oldest dad jokes, and it's not really funny anymore. But I'm glad I made laugh and I don't know why that's a dad joke it's a mom joke oh yeah was that was that the patriarchy leaking out <laughs> there you go oh my god <laughs> so today is January 31st and this is our week seven check-in so the last time we checked in was week three and so you've just been hanging out living your best life since then or catch us up Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I've been traveling and, uh, you know, nationally. <laughs> and not. Not so much. Well, there were a couple times where I had a high fever where I felt like I was traveling. Right. So just so people know, the day after our recording, our week three check-in, you got diagnosed with COVID for the second time. I did. So I went to work and... Um, I was really tired, really tired. But the, the little boy that was living with me at the time, he had a, a pretty bad night that night before. So I thought that I was just tired because I was up with him. Um, and then he had a bad day at school. And it was just, you know, I just thought I was exhausted. But then I got a text at the end of the day that said that I had been in contact with two people that tested positive for COVID. And I thought, oh, crap, I wonder if I'm sick. And then I kind of just put it in the back of my head and um, came home, uh, went to bed, woke up the next day, took a hot shower. When I went into the shower, I could smell because I remember I could smell my, uh, my shampoo and, and I could smell. When I got out of the shower, I had no smell at all anymore. And so I rushed downstairs and I started like opening things to see if I could smell it. And I opened like the minced garlic and took a big whiff. Nothing, nothing. Oh, that's so weird. My coffee, nothing. It tasted like water, nothing. So that was uh, when it dawned on me, oh crap, I think I have COVID. So I called in sick, um, got tested and sure enough, I, I had COVID. Um, it took a couple days after I lost my taste and smell before I was down and out. Like I couldn't get out of bed for over a week. Mm. Every time I got out of bed, my heart rate would shoot up to like 150 um, and my oxygen would drop. Um, I couldn't walk up the stairs. I was just so lethargic. Um, I didn't have the respi respiratory stuff, thank God. But talk about just being sick, just the body aches and the flu stuff. So it took about two weeks um, out of me. And I have to say, Brandy, I really appreciated our last 
conversation where we talked a lot about me taking uh, time for myself and, and not giving it all to other people all the time. You know, that oxygen mask needs to go on yourself because there was a period of time when I was sick that I still thought I need to go to work uh-huh. and we can work from home as teachers now. Um, so there were a couple of days where I was like, well, yes, I'm sick. I can't get out of bed, but I could still bring my computer here. And, and, but then I had you in the back of my mind going, the girl, no. that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I thought, you're okay. going to do what now? <laughs> like I, and actually I texted you one time. Do you remember? I texted uh, you uh-huh. and I said that my work was asking me when I was going to come back. And I and said, tell them to fuck themselves. Did you? You did. That is what <laughs> I did not tell them to fuck themselves, but I did. I used my sick time. So like, we have a, a story about my sick time. I obviously I can't use sick time for anything. <laughs> sick or Vegas, it is so wrong. So wrong, so wrong. So I have an overabundance of sick time. I have like over 580 some hours of sick time. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to use my sick time. So I took two weeks off. Good, because you had fucking COVID. <laughs> but you know how hard it is to train your brain after you, after so many years of thinking I'm, you know, I'm so strong. If I just go to work and just push through it, that means I'm even stronger. Well, no, it means you're going to be sicker longer. Right. So I think I recovered faster, um, taking the time off and just, you know, relaxing and sleeping and and recovering, um, than I would have, if I would have pushed through being sick to work when you're sick. (laughs) No, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Cause it, I mean, it's not the human giver syndrome from the book burnout. Yeah. Which I'm on chapter six. Still. Oh, I, ho- <laughs> I hope I didn't give you like a um, spoiler alert, but no, 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 we've already gone through the human giver syndrome. Yes. So good for you. I mean, and now a month later you're what? 188% back. Like what do you, Oh no, I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent. So um, last, this last week I got my COVID vaccine on yes, Wednesday. Yay. So, so Wednesday and Thursday, I was not a hundred percent. Cause let me tell you, there are side effects and they hit you like a ton of bricks. Um, I was not a hundred percent, but now I'm back to a hundred percent. It went away real quick. So I feel great. I think if I had, you know, pushed myself and not recovered, I would still probably still be sick. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. And probably worse off and, you know, like made yourself worse, not better, you know, not have accomplished anything. Yeah. So good for you. That's like a big milestone. Well, thank you. You're welcome. The bill bill will be emailed to you this month. So (laughs) no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) So that's good news. So the other thing I was going to ask you about is, at the end of our last conversation, we talked about the homework and like keeping track of stressors. Was that something you were able to do? Um, well, after a couple times of doing that, it was really clear what my every single daily stressor was. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And at first, you know, on the surface level, it looked like all these other people in my house are the stressors. Mm-hmm. But when you look at, you know, the, the root cause, it wasn't the people. It was my my um, perception of my of what what I was supposed to be doing mm. with these people, which I found out later that they weren't even expecting me to do these things. Like these were expectations I put on myself that were completely false. Oh, that is so interesting. So I've been able to really. Um, you know, change a lot of that thinking. I mean, it's obviously, it hasn't been a long time. So I'm still actively working on changing that thinking. But for example, um, Phil's daughters are moving out. They're yeah. getting an apartment together. And when they told me, I immediately thought, well, okay, well now I gotta, I gotta go buy you guys kitchen stuff. And I gotta help. Meanwhile, they're like 30. Well, yeah, one's 25 and one's 18. And, and here I am trying to figure out how to get their deposit done. And, and, you know, what's the driving directions from your new apartment to your, to your work. And then 
all that's stressful when you're trying to manage everybody's life. Yeah. And, and did they ask and or need that help? No. no. <laughs> or want it. <laughs> so, I mean, those are the things that's like, why am I putting this stuff on myself? Like when, when the babies were little, yes, I had to make sure they were fed. I had to make sure they were watered. I had to right. make sure that they had clothes and that they got to places on time. And it's like, I got stuck in that period of thinking that was my job. Like my role as a mom has completely changed now. My role is to basically just stand back and wait. Right. <laughs> If they ask me for help, they ask me for help. If they don't, they don't. Right. Um, but my, I guess my need for control mm-hmm. and, and order and routine has caused me to put these false expectations in place for myself. Ooh, that is so interesting. Yeah. So a long story short, the stressor is me. Oh my gosh. I feel like that's like a... Oprah aha moment. So you have to get rid of yourself. That's <laughs> yes. where we are. So this will be the last time that we talk. <laughs> oh no, is this a suicide note? Oh my god. <laughs> no, but I mean that's that's super interesting and I mean I would have to believe that like just understanding that you can immediately change it. Yeah, well, it's definitely made me pause when I start to feel that feeling of anxiety and I start to feel overwhelmed. I've been able to pause and go, wait a minute, is this real? Yeah. Or is this something that I've made up? Like, for example, uh, a few months ago, we were talking about vacationing and I was worried about what was going to be happening in July. Oh, yeah. I definitely got a good laugh out of that. But <laughs> I'm glad you were laughing because in my head, I was seriously freaking out about all the things, what I had to buy from the grocery store. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, had I, have the, I have the text message. You can't meet us in July because your kids have homework. You have to go to the grocery store and, oh, yeah. and you ha- you're working right now. It was a list of things where I'm like, hmm, okay, well, that's no problem. If it changes, that's where we'll be. <laughs> Yeah, it, but it, it was so real to me. And it is, it, in the moment, it is so real to me. Um, right. So when you texted back, well, we have a lot of time to plan. You know, in my head, I thought, we don't have time. We only have I think, I think no this, time. And I think this conversation was actually in like November for a vacation in July. It was like, oh God, that's like almost a year away. And I panicked. I know. I panicked. Because of all the unknowns, and how am I going to control that situation? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I mean, that's super enlightening, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's- I mean, it's not it's not comforting to know that you are the problem. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but then you have complete control over it. Yes, yes. In theory. <laughs> so, I mean, that's awesome. So, what about we talked last time about? Five days a week, 30 minutes of like me workout time. Yeah. So I have been able to incorporate that. Yay. I had to talk with uh, my family. I had to talk with my husband. I was very honest with him and let him know that I need my alone time because we were, for a long time it was um, he wanted wants to work out with me. And, and yeah. part of me is like so honored by that. And I just feel so good that he wants to be with me and that he would want to see me sweat and be gross and still love me. But the other part of me knows that I don't want that. Like I want to be able to get into my headspace. I want to be able to just forget about everybody. And, and when I work out with him the whole time, I'm just thinking about first of all, like how much stronger he is than me, how much faster he is than me. Wait, where did he go? Why is he singing that song again? You know, right. and I never get to be me. Yep. Yep. And I need that. So we compromised and, um, we are going to one day a week work out together. And then the other days of the week, um, is is my own time and we haven't started that yet because he also got COVID and got sick and then his work schedule got crazy um but we're planning on actually um like this week 
actually starting that where we will work out together one day a week, probably for a run outside. Um, and then the rest of the day, rest of the time, you know, he's on his own and I'm on my own. I mean, that's great. Like that is just purely putting up boundaries, right? Yeah. It's just saying like, this is a boundary of what I need. And you can take that information and figure out what you're going to do with yourself. You know, because yeah, what would have probably happened before is you'd be like, well, I have to work out with him and I really don't want to. So I'm just not going to. I'm not going to work out at all. Yeah, that's what happened for about a year. <laughs> right, right, right. That's exactly what happened. And it wasn't it wasn't because I don't like him. It wasn't because I don't like being around him. It was because I didn't like exercising around him because the exercising that's mine Mm -hmm. and I I need something to be mine and I felt guilty for asking for that because even when I brought it up to him I could tell he was hurt a little bit but when I explained to him why that I I can't I feel responsible for him when I'm with him and I can't get out of that head I can't get out of that thinking pattern um I need time for that. And when I, when I explained that he wasn't hurt, you know, anymore, it wasn't that I just don't like him and I don't want to be around him. It was completely different. It was, I, I need this time to be for me. Yeah. Good for you. So that, I mean, that's fantastic. It was hard. It, it's, it's definitely hard to um, have these conversations and I, I don't like hurting people you know, but then Uh-oh. again, that's a lie. I tell myself, you know, is it really hurting them right. or is me holding this information and hurting myself, hurting them also? Or just because you don't want to always do what somebody else wants to do. Is that hurting them? Or is that just life? You know what I mean? Like, which mean, yeah, like I'm not responsible for, for them. And it's I, okay for people to do different stuff. It's absolutely okay. Yeah. Well, good for you. I think that's awesome. So, got your check-in, week seven check-in, 226.8, right? Yep. On the scale, which which was like almost dead on the goal we set. That's 5.6 pound loss in four weeks. So 5.6 pounds since our last check-in during COVID. I mean, like literally you had COVID through most of that. What, that equals a pound, about a pound and a half a week, a little under a pound and a half a week average and over 10 pounds total since she started in seven weeks. Yay. <laughs> so, I mean, that's got to feel good, right? It does. It does feel good, but I'm, I'm going to be honest. I am used to just going full bore on dieting and, and exercising. I'm used to doing the crash course, uh, or you could say going at it, David Boggins style, mm-hmm. um, which we all know is not great <laughs> or sustainable. <laughs> or sustainable, Exactly. And so this is weird for me. This is new for me, weird for me. It feels in my head, like almost like a failure. I don't want to tell myself it's a failure because it's, it's a success. I'm moving forward towards my goal. I'm making progress. But I always go back to the past and think about that one time where I lost 30 pounds in one month or when I was able to, you know, uh, muscle, barely muscle through an 18 mile run after not training for three weeks. Um, And this is so slow and so Mm -hmm. steady that it, uh, it kind of discourages me at times when I stand on the scale and I see that I've only lost one pound or, um, a pound and a half. And I, I really wanted to see that six, seven pound drop that week. Um, even though it's completely unrealistic. Um, so it's a, it's another mind shift. It's another change of thinking pattern and, and having to reckon with myself mentally constantly. Yeah. I mean, that's all, I mean, that's all important stuff. So that's good feedback. So just from the, a science perspective, one to two pounds a week, is all anybody should be trying to drop. I mean, unless you're like in some medically supervised program, in which case you do you. But any normal person, one to two pounds a week is a healthy range, is sustainable, is mentally and physically healthy. Because what you were talking about 
the massive like six or seven pounds a week, that either means you did something extreme to lose that or did something extreme to have enough extra inflammation to drop that much. You know what I mean? And it does get addictive. And I think part of what you're talking about is it gets hard to stay with something when you're not getting a massive emotional payoff. And, you know, I'll tell you from a coach's perspective, week seven to about week 12 are the hardest for people because it's not bright and shiny anymore. If you were going to have any big numbers, it probably already happened. Now it's just chipping away week after week after week. But if people get through this, get through this grind, it's a lifestyle. I mean, once you've hit 12 weeks, this is now your new normal. Like you're off, you got off the roller coaster and walked away. So it's important to look at it that way as well, that I get that it would be awesome to have some big, huge thing, but in the long run, that wouldn't help you. It wouldn't help you in the long run. Uh, So, I mean, you're doing everything like point blank textbook, how it should be. And my logical brain tells me that is that emotional side that definitely constantly needs, you know, to be grabbed by the shoulders and shook like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh, stop it. (laughs) So, and I'll tell you something else. In fact, I was just talking to another client about this on Friday, this kind of exact concept where, I mean, she was having a little bit of these same feelings. And I said, listen, what you're like, everybody, if you look at the big sexy thing, right? The big sexy get on stage or, or run the marathon or drop the whatever weight, goal weight, blah, blah, blah. That's the roof, right? Everybody wants to go straight to build the roof on the house. And then they, if you do that, you just end up with a roof that does no fucking good. You have to build the foundation. You have to build the walls. And then when you put the roof on, you put that bitch on top of it, and now you have a house, and you actually achieved your goal, right? right. And I think that's kind of like the shift of the process that you've always been on, where you've just tried to build the roof, and then you have a roof with nothing for it to go on, so you, like, it did you no good, and you walked away. Oh, it constantly crumbles. Yeah. Constantly crumbles. Right. So you're in the really hard foundation building, and it is purposely slow. It's not going things will get turned up, right? And there's different phases and things like that as you, as you progress. You know, I purposely keep it very, very achievable right now because it's about good news stories every week. It's about you reaching your goals every week. Now, once you start to build that, here's another Goggins reference, that mental callus, where if you don't hit your goal one week, you're just like, fuck, I'm gonna turn it up instead of saying like, fuck, I'm done right? So you're building that mental callus right now so that I can push you a little more, but you have to build, build not only that ability to not get discouraged, but you know, there's obviously health and physical things that have to be done along the way too. And habits that have to be built. All of the stuff you're talking about, about getting like your, your literal house in order, like all of that has to be done before we can push. I mean, I feel like you've done it. I feel like you can take on more now. You know, that I haven't seen you fall off the wagon, so to speak, at all in seven weeks. I, I haven't. Um, um, in my mind, I have a few times. In my mind, I've skipped a workout. Um, I also, we had Mexican food one night that we ate out. And in my mind, that's falling off the wagon. Even fit within my calories. And it fit within um, me logging into my fitness pal. My brain tells me if I did that, I fell off the wagon. But I know I didn't. But in, what, what I've done, and I, I wrote this in my check-in um, under, you know, what do I think I've, I've done well this week, is that I, in the past, when I was really hungry, because I've gone over my calories mm-hmm. a few times. And in the past, when I've done that, I would, would just say, fuck it. And I would go grab a bag of Oreos or I would, you know, oh, screw it. I've already gone over my calories. I might as well order a pizza and right. eat the whole damn thing. Um, I didn't do that. I stopped myself. Yeah. And I was hungry. I was truly hungry. And so I did go over my calories, but I went over my calories eating foods that were uh, not processed, 
and were uh, fruits and vegetables or whole foods most of the times. Um, and, you know, I think that that allowed me to reduce from going over my calories to 3,000 calories worth. Right. Ding, ding, ding. To making it, you know, a 300 calorie overage, but, but then I'm satisfied. I think yeah. one day I went over by 600 calories, but I was truly hungry. And the next day I listened to my body and I, I didn't make my calories that next day, but I didn't need to. So I, I don't, that's a question I have for you mm-hmm. is one day that I went over my calories, I ended up eating like, I think I ate like 2,500 calories. The next day I only ate like 1,400 calories and I was completely satisfied. I wasn't hungry. So, so um, that's a good question. So you're on 1800 calories right now and you're getting that pound and a half pretty consistent a week to answer your question. So scientifically and on paper, it's really, you're, it's not a day-to-day thing as much as over a week or a span of time. Right. So it technically if you drop some calories here and added some calories here and it averaged your week, that's okay. And in, I mean, it's actually um, some methods that we use in prep, right? We will do, we'll drop clients really low for a couple days and then add a higher amount to like refeed them. It's called a refeed to change the metabolism, to mentally get people over a hurdle. So they might have, 1400 calories, five days on a low day, and then 1800 calories on a high day. So then I can't do that math that fast, but say it's averaging 1300 for the week. So yes, technically that's okay from a scientific perspective. I'm not going to say like, no, you won't lose weight. Of course you will, because over a span of time, you're in a deficit. That's the bottom line. That's not a practice that we use routinely for new athletes because it's just a slippery slope. Right. Um, Because what can happen when you do that is you start to drop, you start to drop your calories typically means you're dropping out protein or dropping out what you need. You're dropping out your energy. You're not getting good workouts in and then you're getting really hungry. And then people are overeating on things they shouldn't be eating. And it can cause a trigger point, which, you know, but the flip side is also true. Like I myself, you know, I pretty much just intuitively eat right now because I'm not trying to accomplish, you know, anything specific, but I'll naturally have those refeed days where I'll have a day where I am just very hungry and I bet I double my calorie intake and then go right back to being fine again. So I'm a big advocate for yes, listen to your body. And I don't have a huge problem with that if you're genuinely hungry. And to your point, you know, like I do with my kids, like I'm hungry, eat an apple. I'm not, I don't want an apple. Well, then you're not hungry. So if you can have that conversation with yourself, like I'm starving, eat some carrots. No, I have to have a taco. Okay. That's probably not hunger. Cause if you're hungry, if you're hungry, like, well, I'm going to go eat a bunch of fruits and vegetables and like healthy things because my, because I'm actually hungry and you do it mindfully and slowly and keep it logged. I don't have a huge problem with that because my objective is not to starve you or make you hungry, but what you're accomplishing is part of my objective and begin for you to begin to learn the difference between hunger and cravings and habits. And that's exactly the practice that you just said. And I think the question you're really asking me was, after you had that higher calorie day, what should the next day look like? Then ideally, the next day should be right back on your calories and macros. I don't want you to have a higher day and then freestyle your nutrition is what I call it. Get right back. Always get right back on the program. If you have a day that went too low for whatever reason or too high for whatever reason, don't freestyle. That's what I'm here for. Get right back on the program calories And then if we need to adjust it at the check-in, then that's what we'll do. So that's, that's the answer there. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, so that's fantastic. Um, When I was looking through your check-in, really the note I wrote to myself is, I think 
we stay on these calories for this next week. You know, you said there were some days where you're pretty hungry. I don't get the sense that like you are starving all the time. Correct. No, it was just, there were two, I think there were two days that I went over my calories. Um, I mean, there were, there was a couple days where I went over my calories, like 20 calories. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I don't really consider that going over my calories, Uh but, um, the two times I went significantly over my calories, I really was hungry and I, um, continued to go back to the kitchen to get the food. Yep. Um, then I would eat it. I would monitor myself, see if I was hungry anymore. And then if I still was hungry, then I went back and got some more food Perfect. and I logged all of it. Um, so I really think that it wasn't binge eating. It wasn't eating out of boredom. Um, I was honestly hungry. <laughs> yeah. Nope. That's perfect. That's exactly the way to do it. So I think we stay on these 1800 for this week. We're going to start adding some more volume in your training, which means you're probably going to burn real calories, which means you're probably going to go into more of a deficit. So we might have to change it next week, but let's get that data first. And of course, you know, like I tell everybody, if you get halfway through the check-in period and you're miserable, reach out to me. Like my goal isn't to make people miserable. You know, you know, if you get to today's Sunday, if you get to Wednesday and you're like, no, I'm starving. This sucks. I can't get good workouts in blah, blah, blah. Reach out. We'll fix it. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, you might notice you're a little more hungry, but you know, we're only probably going to add maybe a hundred calorie more deficit. So you, it shouldn't be anything massively problematic, but the more efficient your body's becoming in general, the more muscle you're building, the more calories you need, which is a good thing, right? So that's how that will adjust over time. I also saw that you took bread out of your diet. Yeah. So you gave me this funky name of a bread to find. Ezekiel bread that everybody knows what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, everybody except for the little old people who live in Spokane Valley, where it doesn't seem to exist. It's in the freezer. It's not. (laughs) 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 Yep. Nope, not around here. So I have yet to find a grocery store into three um, that has Ezekiel bread in the freezer. And so I uh, just decided no bread was better than trying to go on the hunt for Ezekiel bread. Uh, You know, I'm so happy to say that, hear you say that, because I mean, I won't lie, looking through your food logs, I would cringe a little at the bread. And it wasn't the bread exactly, but Bread was making, at least when we started, making up a huge portion of your diet. Yeah, as you hold up your gallon water bottle, right? I've, I've got my matching gallon water bottle here. I like your color better. <laughs> um, so I'm just, I'm just happy to see it out. Now, I'm not, like, bread is not the enemy, but it's the, proce- the issue of it being processed, highly processed junk. And being a big portion of the diet. So I think that's great. Just take it out. You can get more nutrition, more bang for your buck with other things. And then now and then, like now and then I have a sandwich now and then I have a whatever. It's fine. But I do like it, like not being a staple of your diet. I, I love bread. I Me too. But I don't know if I love it enough to take up, you know, 200 to 300 of my precious calories. Exactly. It, you know, it doesn't fill me up as much as having two to 300 calories worth of fruits and vegetables. Oh my gosh, you wouldn't even be able to consume that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I love bread too. Like, don't get me wrong, but you don't get a lot of nutrition bang for your buck. And more likely than not, most, most people honestly have at least some sort of a gluten sensitivity. So more likely than not, you're having some sort of inflammation. So it's just better not to have it as a regular thing. Yeah, um, and, you know, the first couple of days was hard, but after that, I, I don't really crave it. Good. Yay. You know, because I really hadn't brought it up because I didn't know if that would be the thing that was a bridge too far for you. I really didn't. 
So I didn't say a word about it other than suggest you transition to the, the other, the Ezekiel bread. So good for you. Hey, the other thing I saw was um, you said one of the supplements was hurting your stomach. Which, which one? Well, I think it might be the um, digestive enzymes and it might be just that I have, I'm not used to it. Okay. I, I'm Are not you- sure. I, I don't know if this is TMI, but I am really gassy and to the point where it hurts. Are you t- using whey protein? No. Oh, okay. Okay. No. But I went to bed last night with a tummy ache and then woke up uh, this morning uh, and had one too. But the other thing I noticed was that the yogurt, the Greek yogurt that I've been eating recently also has a probiotic component. So I'm wondering if I've, I've gone overkill on the probiotic. Or you know, you- pull it out and see, you know? Yeah. I'd say pull out the probiotic for a week and see if it changes. I mean, I, I have not personally experienced that specifically being a problem. I don't know. I mean, there can be a hundred things that make people bloated and have gas. Usually the main culprits are greens, dairy, um, whey protein. Okay. So, so that's a question I have too. Is like, how do you, I can't figure out what it is because I've been, I upped my greens by mm-hmm. a ton. I upped my vegetables a ton this week um, and then started these uh, digestive enzymes, the probiotics. Also, I'm pretty sure if I did have a monthly cycle that this probably would be when I would be having my cycle. Um, but I have an IUD, so I don't experience that. But I have other symptoms that, that kind of coincide. So I don't know. And, and then I got the vaccine as well. And the vaccine kind of messed with my body a little bit. So there's so many things that right. I started all at the same time that I don't really know which one it is. But I definitely have been having, I, I'm, I'm bloated right now. And just the the stomach pain and, and the gas. The reason I know it's it's bloated and, and this is all the the terrible gas. I'll tell you what. You can blame <laughs> it blame it on the uh, COVID vaccine that it gives you gas. I didn't see that in the uh, give that to the anti vaxxers. Give that info to the anti vaxxers. Yeah. You'll get terrible <laughs> gas and a microchip. A microchip, and you'll have to fart. <laughs> Don't get it. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, but all seriousness, so two ways to handle that. One, if you think it could be a lot of things that are going to work their, their way out in the next couple of days, just keep everything as is and see, right? If you think it could be the vaccine, it could be that time of the month, leave everything out as is. So in a couple of days, you're fine. You knew it was one of those things. So keep it stable as is, or yeah. you can eliminate the other way, right? You could take everything off the table and then add things back in one at a time. It's up to you. Well, I think I, I kind of want to do the, the first one. I want to keep things status quo just to see, because I also know that I know my body needs time when I change things or add things. Yeah. My body needs time to figure it out and get adjusted to it. And so I want to give myself a little bit more time to figure out if that's what's going on. Because I've never had a probiotic before. I've never done that before. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea to just leave things as is for, you know, a few days, a week and see if it resolves itself. If next week you're still having the same thing, then it's probably not the vaccine. It's probably not because it's that time of the month. Then we know (laughs) to look at the probiotic and to look at your diet more specifically. That would be my advice on that. So I think everything looks great. You should be feeling pretty good about stuff, I would think. I do. I do. So here's what I think we should do um, for this week. I think continuing the goal of one and a half to two pounds a week is a good goal. We talked a little bit before we hit record that, you know, you have a vacation coming up in the beginning of April and you kind of wanted to set a much bigger goal and blah, blah, blah. Not blah, 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 but blah, blah, blah. And (laughs) we talked about like 
why that's not a good idea. Like I get, you know, I get it, right? Everybody wants to be bikini ready for vacation or whatever, whatever. But this is a bigger picture plan and the vacation has to fit into your plan, not the plan into your vacation. And setting something unrealistic, you know, for all the things you just talked about, could derail you. Right. You know. Just so people know, like, I wanted, I said I wanted to be under 200 by the time I go to Hawaii. Because it's a nice, even number. And it just would feel good to be in the ones and and not in the 200s. But that's 26 pounds in eight weeks. Right. Or 10 weeks, nine weeks. And um, you brought me back to the reality that that's probably not a realistic goal. Yeah. I mean, not a realistic in a healthy way and, and for no reason. Right. I mean, there's no reason to push for that. It'd be different. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting on stage and we have a stage goal, we're running out of time, then we can start to do desperate things, but that's not what's happening here. So, you know, we talked about how the two pounds a week is pretty aggressive, right? I mean, that's already on the aggressive end to make it three pounds a week. That's, that's a lot. So we agreed about 208 for early April, um, which would be 18 pounds from here, yeah. right? So which is a lot. that's a lot. That's a lot. So I, I think we just continue on that, the one and a half to two pounds a week. I think this week we stay on the same calories and macros, knowing that we're going to take a harder look at it next week. So okay. I think it's time to add some more um, metrics to your training. Where we were on the training up until now was just building a habit, right? I just needed you to do something and you needed to just build that habit, get back in the swing of it, start to build a little capacity because you weren't training at all. So it wasn't the time to be like, okay, I, you know, here, go do this, go do that. It was just get your sea legs. I feel like you have that pretty well nailed. So what I think we should start doing this week is capturing some metrics. And one of the best metrics, in my opinion, to judge um, fitness progress is a timed one mile because it's something you can pretty much control. There's not a lot of variables. There's a lot of good emotional payoff, especially as you start because you just get better and faster. What I would recommend, so we had the five-day-a-week workout plan. I kind of left it, you know, you do you for five days a week. I just need you to get the time in. Well, now I think I'd like to add some more prescribed training three days a week. I think you should do no more than a 5K distance, so 3.2 miles. Within that, do a timed mile each day. So... Really, as far as I'm concerned, you can walk a mile. And honestly, I do this frequently. Walk a mile, do your timed mile, walk a mile. Like whatever you want to do. If you want to, whatever. If you want to walk a warm up for a quarter mile, do your timed mile, do a slow jog, whatever. You do whatever you want to do within that 5K um, distance. But let's start collecting your one mile time and capture your your PRs. And I mean, you'll probably get them pretty much every workout right now, right? Because you're going to get better so, so, so fast. But then as you start to reach your max capacity, you're going to have to work for it. You, you know, you may only shave off one second in a week or whatever, but this is going to serve two purposes. One is going to start to get a little more intense cardio. You're going to start to build up a little more endurance And you're going to obviously have that high intensity work to really work your cardio capacity. What I do not want you to do is start this and compare this pace or numbers to anything you've done in the past. Nothing in the past is relevant to what you're doing. If you start this tomorrow, your first time is your first time you've ever run. Nothing before today matters. I really appreciate you saying that because that is probably what I would have gone to immediately. Oh, we all do. I mean, well, I haven't run for a year. I ran a couple weeks ago. I haven't run for a year. I ran 
I think I did a one mile. I think I did this basically. So one mile, I warmed up, ran a mile, cooled down. And the first thing I did is took my one mile time and compared it to whenever the hell it was the last time I ran. What does that matter? And then immediately (laughs) got pissed off. Makes no sense. So don't. This is a whole new page. The other thing I need, we think we need to work out, we talked about this for a second before we hit record, is start to incorporate core work. Um, So I know you are doing other uh, strength work, which is great. Keep, Keep doing that. I would keep doing a little strength work every day along with this run. But I want you to add, and I would honestly say daily, like seven days a week, push-ups. And same kind of thing. Just start it with your, your PR. And that means if it's one push-up today, it's one push-up. And then if it's two push-ups tomorrow, it's two push-ups. And if you do three, you can only do three push-ups for a week, then you can only do three push-ups. Anytime, day or night, do it with your workout, do it however you want to do it. But that's not only going to start to build that, build your general strength. You talked about your arm strength and things like that, but obviously it requires a great deal of core strength. And it's easy, it's non-weight bearing, so you can do them daily. It's an easy, just little metric that you can start to build in along with everything else. Okay. So that would be my two things that we, I suggest we build into the training. And I think everything else kind of stays the same. So the days or the times you're not working these things, you know, I know you have that tonal system. If you have something on there you like, do it, you know, any, anything is good right now. Cool. Well, I am not freaking out about these, uh, these increases like this, this feels good. Perfect. All right. I think that, I think that does it. Anything else? Gosh, I can't think of anything else. Honestly, like we, we hit everything. So I think you even know about, how can we, how can we have anything else? Right. Uh, (laughs) Listen. Um, So the next check-in we'll do is at week 12. And I think Tina's going to join us because that'll be a big milestone check-in of three months, three months at this gig. So awesome. All right. We'll see yeah. you then. Bye. Okay. See ya. Bye. Bye. Okay. So that was a really cool check-in. I got a lot out of it myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, kudos to um, Tiffany uh, in case, you know, somehow you missed the last two last episode, last two episodes, Tiffany, your right. sister, not the, right. not, not the queen of queen Elizabeth. <laughs> oh, was she queen Elizabeth or Victoria or uh, Gloria I Vanderbilt? <laughs> I, which I don't remember, but it was Tiffany. Separate um, mental health issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you're her coach. Like what, what, what were the highlights for you and what she accomplished in that period of time? Yeah, so I'll give people a little like behind the scenes making the sausage on this. We do not talk before the live check-in starts. So you literally are hearing everything I'm hearing for the first time. And I don't have any idea of what has happened in the last week. So, you know, I am coaching things live and I am prepared to respond to disasters or great news or all of the above. So knowing that she had the COVID diagnosis uh, prior to this, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, But I thought this was probably one of the coolest check-ins we did so far because it was all the other stuff. It was a big pile of all of the trials and tribulations that clients, athletes go through that derail them. And she kind of went through all of them live and had really good insights. Herself. Or, or to, to quote you, and I don't know how, because you never listen to yourself, the next time I'm going to actually tick mark how many times you say 100%. 100%. 100%. I think mine is right, and yours is 100%. I mean, they both mean the same thing, but I was like, so to quote you, 100%. Thank you. Uh, 
I, I will say, you know, there was, there was a lot, your sister, uh, that you know, she was saying that I was like, okay, one, I, I totally get that. And I know so many other women in particular are going to get this. I'm, I think men too, but you know, we, we've talked about the book, um, burnout and we have mentioned the quote unquote human giver syndrome before. Mm-hmm. And if your sister isn't the poster child for that, I don't know who is, like, I think literally, if you were to go back and read the book Burnout, I feel like I see your sister in every bit oh. of that. Um, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yes. Good job, Randy. Um, you know, some of the some of the themes, you know, you and I were just kind of chatting real quick. And I said, you know, this is going so much better than, you know, I, I, when we planned on doing this series, I mean, obviously, we, we didn't know what how, how it was going to turn out. But um, I don't think I could be more happy with how it's going. And I really enjoy listening to your check-ins with, with her. And I enjoy listening to her because she, as I told you, is so well-spoken. Um, and I think she so very clearly articulates what she's processing through and feeling. It's not like this, it's not this like jumble of emotions and that she's just kind of like throwing up all over the place. You can tell she has really thought through these things and is really putting these things into practice. And, and I want to, you know, I, I, because this shit is not easy as, as it has been stated. And I think probably every check-in you've had with her at this point, but um, I don't think we could have scripted this any better and it's not scripted. I just, Mm -mm. I think that like everything, anybody who listens to this podcast, or if you haven't listened to this podcast, everything that we talk about and coach on your, your sister is, you know, implementing. And I mean, obviously because you're coaching her and I think, you know, it's sort of, um, uh, like showing that, that what, what we do as coaches and what we're coaching on, like these, these are, what, what's the word? I'm not as articulate as she is. What, what were you saying? Like it, um, what what was it we were just talking about? Uh, the human giver syndrome, right? No, but how how what we coach on in general, like this is just validating. Oh, that- right. This is right, this is validating that this really is the process because she comes to a lot of the conclusions herself before I even have a chance to get to them. Right. Right, and then is- I think that's the cool part. Right. So then these are naturally evolving conclusions if you're open to being coachable, if you're open to really examining what you're doing, and if you're willing to be honest, and I'm sure she's talked about already that that was the sticking point for her for a lot of years, just the willingness to be honest about what was going on and really take some of these challenges head on. In this check-in, there were two things in particular that she pointed out for herself that I think are major kind of elements that a lot of people get stuck on. Can I, can I see if I, if I know yes. one of them? Yes. I highlighted it. And okay. I thought this was such a huge, huge, huge thing that the, when she said she was documenting her stressors, right. Uh-huh. She was talking about where her stress came from and she really sat down and she's like, I feel stressed. Where's it coming from? And she's literally writing it down on paper and she's like, holy shit, the stressor is me. Right. I was like, ding, ding, ding. Oh my God. How many of us as women can relate to that? but you wouldn't know you relate to that unless you'd actually done the work and understood where your stress was coming from, right? The stress mm-hmm. is not that you now suddenly have to help your two grown daughters move out of the house because they never asked you to help them do that. The stress right. is <laughs> I've decided because I have human giver syndrome that I have to control all of these things. And if I don't have control all, all, over all of these things, then it's all going to be bad. And somehow that's all going to be my fault. And so I'm going to put all this pressure on myself that nobody has asked me to put on myself or expects me to do. Right. Because human giver syndrome slash martyrs, whatever it is that you mm-hmm. know we do as women for whatever reason we do it. Right. Um, and I can so relate to that because I do that, right? Like nobody, ex- nobody actually expects me to cook dinner for my family every single night of the week. I enjoy doing it, but then sometimes I'm like, well, I have to do it. And if, and, and you guys should appreciate it. And, you know, and nope, nobody fucking cares. My family would be mm-hmm. more than happy if they cook their own food or my son would be even happier if we ordered out. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, this is just, we, we, in the, the minute something comes up, I immediately take it on as my own. Mm-hmm. 
when there's so many other, like, it's not my job. It's not my thing. But somehow well, I have to have control over it. It's a control thing. And your sister right. said her need for control and order, right? And this comes up, and I think this has come up as a theme a couple of times. Um, but yeah, anyway, I thought that was a huge one. Right. Uh, absolutely. And that really stemmed from her. I mean, this has been ongoing for years with her, but it really came out kind of in the first couple of weeks where she started to do the classic, like, I'm too busy for all of this. Mm-hmm. Don't understand how busy I am. Now, in the past, what, what I have done to respond to that is then explain to her, like, why she's not that busy, right? right. And through this, I kind of realized, okay, you know, my mom, who does nothing, is equally stressed out and thinks she's equally busy. So it's not the amount of things you have to do, it's how you process them internally. Right. And that's what we have to talk about. Because you're, it's not yeah, she works a job and she's got some grown kids and whatever. But then, you know, in my own, when I'm not being coached or a big sister, I throw right back, you know, well, I work a full-time job and I have two little kids and I do this and I do that. And it becomes this competition, which I think as women, we do all the time, right? Who's the busiest, right? Therefore you don't have an excuse because I'm busier than you and it's unhealthy. So once we just strip that away, And we're like, okay, the variables of your life are the variables of your life. You got to figure out how to function within these. Mm -hmm. And that's the bottom line. And remove the argument of the stuff. Remove the argument about the thing. Right. And just focus on the doing. Right. So that was a huge one. The other two that I thought were really key was her learning to let herself recover. Because it's kind of been this perpetual cycle of, injury and illness that I think a lot of people go through. And instead of spending the time to get healthy, it's again, the martyr syndrome. And instead of then going from sick or injured to hundred percent functionality, you continue to hamstring yourself for some reason. And then you only function at 30% for your entire life. You know, I got to go back to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then you're really no good to anybody. And her and I back channel did have some arguments about this where I think she talked about on there where she like day two of COVID, like I'm going back to work. I'm like, I swear to Christ, I will call the health department (laughs) like like just for your health and safety. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. You are not the president of the United States. Yeah. Um, and we, and, you know, we talk about how critical the rest, the rest and recovery is. And I did highlight that as, you know, as another thing, cause you know, her, and I think there, the one other thing, I think this will roll into that with well, a couple of things. Um, but she talked about how she wanted, you know, results faster and quicker. And, you know, right. usually that's yeah. what she would do. And, you know, obviously COVID threw a wrench in that, but, you know, she could have, kept going because, you know, not, not just the human giver syndrome martyr thing is I have to work and I have all these other responsibilities, that aspect of it. But she's like, oh, I just started this thing and I have to keep going and I want, you know, results immediately. So, you know, COVID can't keep me down from that. And, you know, so she had, you know, some really big roadblocks thrown in her way, you know, kind of just, just at the beginning-ish of this journey. Mm -hmm. Um, So she, you know, she did, she had to, she had to learn some, um, rest and recovery and, and patience. Yes. Um, and, you know, I loved your analogy about, you know, everybody wants to have the roof, right? So everybody, if you're building a house, everybody's like, God damn it. Can we just put the roof on it? Right. Like, can we just, cause I want to move in, I'm ready to move in, forget all this other stuff. It's pain in my ass. Right. But you were, I mean, if you, if you can't relate to that as an analogy, right? Like if you don't build a proper foundation, if you decide to just throw a house up on a piece of ground and throw a roof over it so you can hurry up and move in because you want this immediate gratification and everybody wants it faster, quicker, bigger, better now, um, your house is going to fucking fall down the minute the wind blows the wrong way. Right. Yep. So, you know, it's like the fucking three little pigs. If you can't get that analogy, what, right. Like, right. Um, anyway, I thought that was another great analogy too, right? Like you have got to build the foundation and it's slow and steady so that you have the strongest possible house to live in for the rest of your life, which is that becoming a lifestyle. Right. So mm-hmm. you know, again, that reference. So I thought that was another really great thing. And 
I'll say the other thing that really stood out to me, another thing that I super relate to um, when she was talking about finding the time to work out, making the time to work out, and that her husband was like immediately trying to be supportive. was like, yeah, let's work out together, which sounds like a great idea, but I'm so proud of her for realizing that, you know, like, no, like I need this me time, like, I, you know, and explaining it to him, right? Because that could have been a whole other ugly thing, right? Like, you know, husband, you know, husband or significant other doesn't understand why suddenly you want this me time. Like, well, you know, does that somehow mean you don't love me? Especially if you're somebody who lives in a relationship with somebody with human giver syndrome, who is used to spending all their time and energy on everybody else in their life. And suddenly they want to take time for themselves. Whoa, what is happening? Right. So that could really be off putting to the significant others, you know, your family and the people around you. Um, but I thought what, you know, the way that she said it to him and, and, and explained it to him, I thought was really important, you know, and, you know, I highlighted, you know, boundaries, you know, I think that that, that's a really critical thing. And, you know, it's funny because I, at one point I was going to try to, I was going to start doing, it might've been during COVID. I can't even remember that early on in COVID. And I was like, well, I'll start um, zooming my, you know, my workouts in the morning and people can work out with me virtually. I remember. And I was like, like that no. would suck. That's gonna suck like, for me. I was like, literally, no, because that is that is that one hour I spend in my garage by my little lonesome every morning is the only little lonesome me time I get every day. That is the time I need for myself every day. And I was like, mm-hmm. thank God I made that decision, right? Because it was like it immediately started to make me feel stressed because I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna give up this time. Um, so anyway, so I, I thought that was like really a, a critical thing for her. And I thought it was cool how she said, um, cause if you're there with me training, then I'm immediately worried about you mm-hmm. and not like or comparing about- myself to you or yeah, getting or, discouraged because you're doing more right. or distracted. You're just, distracted. just making it about him instead of herself because yep. that is her tendency to do, right? She's making everything, well, she's making it about herself, but she is putting that energy on to other people again with the human giver syndrome. Right. Yeah. I think it was a ton of big breakthroughs and it was really just kind of processing through all of the chronic excuses and admitting them, which is really hard, right? It's it really hard. hard to say like, yeah, this has been like, it's really not that I can't do all this stuff. I've just been finding reasons not to, and now I have to do it. And that's hard. Uh, but huge breakthroughs. Like I loved it. I thought it was, you know, super in- enlightening, even for me as a coach to watch. Her I bet. I mean, even for me, right. To, to really have somebody articulating all of that work, um, and doing all of that work, right? Like we, you know, we're always hoping that clients are doing this behind the scenes and we get little snippets in their check-ins. But I think that, um, you know, and I think the other really sort of important point to touch on um, before we make this a 20 hour podcast um, was her working through more. Uh, so that was a lot of the mental stuff, which is absolutely critical. I think people will find through this series. And I think your sister has even said several times in, in different episodes, I don't want to get them confused, but like, you know, doing the physical stuff is easy, right? There, you know, even sometimes getting the nutrition part is simple, well, simple, not easy. Um, but it's doing all this mental stuff. And that is what has held her back all this time, right? Mm-hmm. She can lose 50 pounds, but then she gains it back. And then she can lose it. She can run a marathon and she can lose 50 pounds. She gains it back. But she's never done this hard mental stuff. And that that's critical. But then the other, you know, piece that is more of like, straight up training nutrition stuff, right? One, she implemented the, you know, the getting in the activity, which was good, slow and steady, but really working on understanding her hunger versus cravings and then, you know, working things into, you know, building, building those habits. Um, and, and I like how she worked through, she's like, you know, one day she goes, I was legit hungry mm-hmm. that I thought, and I sat and I, and I had something to eat. And then I was like, okay, am I actually hungry or do I, you know, and she, she really, you know, the mindfulness that we, we talk to clients about all the time when they're having cravings, whether they're physical, emotional cravings or, you know, uh, truly true hunger. Um, so I thought that was really cool too. Right. So that might've gotten glossed over a little bit with all the other really heavy, like heavy stuff that the mental stuff, but that, that, that's, that's important as well because she does, she was a mindless eater. She was a mo- very mm-hmm. much an emotional eater, binge eater. 
Um, so those are critical life skills for her. Yeah. And yeah, we shouldn't gloss over the fact that she's made enormous progress, right? So through a COVID diagnosis, through the holidays, through all of this stuff, going back to school full time, she's dropping a pound and a half a week, right? Which right. is absolutely kind of textbook perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. And, yeah. and not in textbook perfect while not being perfect. Right. 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 She talked about how she went over her, she made a mindful choice to go over her calories because she was hungry or had made a mindful choice to eat this thing or that thing. Um, and it didn't need to be a hundred percent. She just needed to be consistent, which she was. Right. Yeah. Right. All of the things. So I loved it. I hope everybody else got a lot out of this check-in. Yeah. Did I, did we cover all the, the big points? Cause I, tr- I tried to make sure I highlighted all the really big ones. Was there anything else that you got out of it that you feel like? Nope. Nope. So we will check in again in about six weeks and see what she's been up to. Okay. I'm excited. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you like to stream your favorites. Bye.